Hi, my name is Ian, and it's my pleasure to introduce our captivated audience podcasters, Marie Lundberg and Sam Sheen. Good evening to you both. Hi, Ian. Hello. Captivated audience has now offered listeners 17 enormously insightful episodes from members of the global compliance and financial crime prevention community. You have also introduced us to neuro-linguistic programming to help us all take back some control during these difficult times. What are your highlights from the series so far? I can't believe it's only been 18 days since we launched this thing. But some of the highlights have been just how receptive people in our community have been to being so candid about what they're doing right now. A lot of people, it's a really different way to work. And it's, it's not very often that you're going to have people who are prepared to talk to you and, and be a little bit vulnerable and tell you what's going on. I would say it's always good to reach out to uh, the good people within the community to hear their take on what's going on, how this virus is affecting lives and business and the new working from home situation. I must say I'm impressed by how all seem to just keep calm and carry on. In the early podcast, I was particularly amazed at how both businesses and their human resources have adapted so quickly to the lockdown conditions they are working and how we have all managed our health with a dollar for good humor. What has impressed you both? The positivity on there is a new way to do things. There is no business as usual because it's business as unusual. But okay, let's get through this and let's just sort things out, get people computers or laptop if they don't have it, make sure they have stable connections and just do the absolute best of the situation that they possibly can. From my end, what I was really impressed by are the examples of how people have been applying the risk-based approach. And what I mean by that is we heard from Samar Pratt, right? And she's explaining that forward-looking approach, anticipating what could be the things that might go wrong or fall through the cracks. And how is that going to be interpreted in terms of reviews done in the future? And then we had Jason Rhodes, who was talking about the challenges of sanctions and trade restrictions and how people are already thinking ahead to this is going to be really challenging, not only in terms of the existing controls they have, but the kind of emerging risks. So it's, it's made risk management really palatable because they've presented it in a really different way from what we're used to for AML. And adding to that, having Matt McGuire and then Paul Burleton talk about how they are now part of their client's business contingency plan, which is also a very interesting point of view. And we can't forget as well, Matt's amazing Canadian approach to things, which is if you can't go out to the pub, you can always create a virtual. Exactly. The regulatory world has not stopped. And it doesn't look like there will be any easing of enforcement action, Swedbank being just one example. What can we look forward to on Captivated Audience as you dissect the case? Well, you know, it's really interesting, Ian. There are so many different ways that case and the decision can be taken apart. I'd really like to take a look at the various reviews that were supposedly conducted of the bank's operations. Recently, we've seen some criticism by regulators as to quality of reviewers' work. So there's been a case coming out of the United States, for example, where one regulator has been very critical about the quality of work performed by a reviewer. And I myself had a case when I was a regulator in which I interrogated the findings of one reviewer around AML deficiencies and found they really didn't stand up to muster it. From my point of view, I would say the regulator report and also the Clifford Chance report enhances the value and the absolute necessity of data, good quality data, using the data in the right manner, and also 
not be afraid of using the data. I think that sets a very clear precedent on how the banks now are supposedly to be able to do transaction monitoring, KYC monitoring in a very enhanced way. And I think that also sets the tone for the whole region, actually. You've added a case study for us, and thanks to EFI for allowing that to be shared. Have there been any updates to that case study? And can we expect more free CPD in the future? Well, yes, we have a couple of case studies in development right now. They're completely different from the first one. So the first one, keeping up with the theme coming out of Swedbank, we looked at transaction monitoring systems and tactics used to evade sanctions. That was really cool because it had nothing to do with stripping, which predominated a lot of cases in the past. But the next two cases are entirely different. The first one looks at how criminals went about mimicking an investment fund in order to launder the proceeds of crime. And then we've got another one coming, which is, again, entirely different around the Bayrob malware case and all the complexities. And it has all sexy stuff in it, everything from money mules to fake websites to malware, digging in and stealing email addresses, and even to blocking the complaint sections of enforcement pages if consumers try to access them. And great EFI analysts who really have know-how on these topics. At the end of the podcast, you leave us with the message to stay safe. Your episode with the neurolinguistic programming guys provides great tips for our well-being. How have you both found this period of extended lockdowns? Oh, I am on week seven. Yeah, I I am really grateful for Ricky and JP with their insights. I'm also trying to go back to what Tina Sorquist said, one of the earlier podcasters, in actually really focusing and using the time in a very good, productive manner and taking her tips and adding them to what Ricky and JP said. It makes such a big difference in how to allow yourself to be focused for 25 minutes, then go for, I don't know, a walk around in the apartment or go check the mailbox or or whatever you need to refocus. So I would say I manage as best as I can at the moment, to be frank and honest. Yeah, I think it was really funny. So Tina first gave us the Pomodoro effect. So we've been putting that into practice here at home, right? Every 25 minutes, get up, go outside. I go and listen to the birds in the backyard. I can hear them for the first time because there's no airplanes going over my house, which is never heard of in the past. And then as the weeks have gone on, I describe it as the honeymoon's over. And I can tell there's this tension and prickliness with some of the people that we deal with. And so I really appreciated a lot of the suggestions that Ricky and JP provided. Summarizing the series so far, what are your thoughts on the future, especially emerging financial crime topologies? Well, I'm certain we will see a lot of different fraud schemes develop. Unfortunately, we do know that criminals will do their utmost to exploit the situation Actually, I think this time period is really proving that we're not taking the risk-based approach that we should. I mean, we heard from Greg Valorchik, who talked about some forward thinking about the change in people's behavior and how readily AI is able to adjust to circumstances like these. You know, when you're going to hear from Alexandra Pino, 
who talks about dealing mainly with the small businesses that are keeping the communities going right now, the bakers, the pharmacies and stuff, and what that means. And, and we talked to a number of people about declining cash intensive business. And the most fundamental one that seems to be coming out is we have to find a way with our controls and the technology we use to get better at allowing it to facilitate our ability to detect the undetectable or anticipate the unanticipated. Touching upon that, Sam, is also interesting to hear from people who work, you know, the vendors who actually are selling the systems. And again, I'm, I'm coming back to one of my favorite subjects and, and words, it's the data. It's coming back to analyzing that massive amount of data. What can we learn from it? Again, going back to history to understand the future. So Mark Saleh and Joran Hassan, which you will hear later on, it will give you some good tips on that as well. And it's always interesting to hear from a jurisdiction, kind of small as Cyprus, to hear what they are having for challenges as well. And uh, Nassos and Greg from the Cyprus chapter of ACAMS is also providing good insights. I'll just end off to say a special shout out to Kettle Glorious. Danske Bank is doing some pretty incredible stuff. And the fact that they are proactively reaching out to try and raise awareness about kids, you know, who are being recruited for the purposes of acting like account mules, particularly now that they're at home and, you know, it's really easy to be susceptible to being recruited for these things. I mean, I think it's really positive that they've got an eye out for social engineering and how vulnerable people are. And I think, Marie, it's hats off to them, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I agree with you. But also, again, another shout out to Susanna Mills, who you will hear in an upcoming cast, when she talks about the way now they are moving forward and how they are in an agile way trying to become better at preventing financial crime and therefore being on top of, you know, finding the typologies. So I would say that's also kind of interesting. Well, thank you both for creating Captivated Audience and keeping us in the compliance and financial crime prevention community informed, educated, and entertained. If you'd like to participate on Captivated Audience or have topics you'd like us to review or discuss, please reach out to us on captivatedaudience.eu or via LinkedIn. They'd love to hear from you. And until then, stay safe.